0: He's having a heart attack. Does anybody know CPR? I do, but I'm not gonna do it. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angles is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, there was a story I read this week that really um, fascinated me, not only because I've been through CPR training at least twice, maybe three times in my life and was getting prepared for the eventuality that i may have to help somebody who was having a heart attack Um, but because i also ran a uh, children's camp where we trained lifeguards and others in cpr and that was a regular part of the equipping of these people that we did um on television when actors in dramas have to perform CPR. Somebody did a study and they saw Stephen Green that the survival rate of people who have CPR administered to them in in dramatic uh, fictional TV series is roughly 70%. (laughs) Um, In polling of the American public when they said what do you think is the percentage of of people who uh, are brought back to life or live because of cpr when they're having a heart attack Uh, the american public thinks that it's probably around 75 percent. stephen green the actual survival rate is less than 10 Um, percent depending on how you count it it's somewhere between seven and a half and ten percent if you're in the hospital and you code then it's around 17%, but that's not not the thing that was interesting about this. It is the consideration of the negative consequences of performing CPR. People who have CPR, uh, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, performed on them often wind up with broken ribs, broken sternum, lacerated livers, pulmonary hemorrhaging and other kinds of physical damage. Um, In addition, um, there is this weird phenomenon called CPR induced consciousness. In other words, somebody who's dying and then has somebody perform CPR on them, the blood flow that that generates kind of puts the body in this in-between state where the person becomes conscious enough to experience the trauma of the event the compressions, the crack ribs, needles going into them, la- yeah, yeah. tubes going into their larynx and things like that, but don't recover. So I guess when I read this, I thought, okay, under what circumstances am I willing to step up and say I know CPR, I, I- I'm going to try to do this. And this came out of a story that I saw where um a dispatcher, a 911 dispatcher Uh, was ignored uh, because an elderly woman at a senior living facility had gone into cardiac arrest and the dispatcher told the employee to perform CPR and the employee refused. It was an elderly person and she said "It's it's not good to put this person through this on the very slim chance that it will revive her and on the very solid chance that she's going to be injured or or worse and i can get into more details about the worst part of it but uh, steve just yeah. instinctively doesn't that uh, did you have the reaction i did which is basically no no wait a minute cpr is good cpr saves lives <sighs> um
1: yeah just not nearly enough and as you say at what cost i i did cpr lessons too i did it first in uh, in boy scouts and then again when i was at missouri military academy my last couple of years of high school they made you do it again i got my red cross certification and all that good stuff i hope i never have to use it but more than that i hope i'm never in that that moral quandary of is this the right thing to do um the rib cage is designed to protect the heart and lungs uh one of the things i learned okay so uh, last week i've been incredibly lucky at the age of 54 i had to replace my first tire and even luckier still i got to do it in the comfort of my own garage uh Drove over a nail or something. The car was fine getting home, but it was a slow leak. Uh, my son texts me while borrowing my wife's car to say, "Dad, you've got a flat." I'm like, oh, okay. So i guess this is the thing I need to learn how to do now. So I get the uh, the spare out of the back and the, uh, the the little mini jack that that comes with a car. Those mini jacks, it's a it's a little like giving CPR. You get in a place and you're just doing this thing for about ever <laughs> until you get. The car high enough to remove that wheel. It's just whew, you're doing this a long time, and that's that's what CPR was like on the uh, what was it the rescue Annie doll. Um, you're just you're yeah. you're doing this this difficult motion, and you're doing it for a long time. You're combining it with the breathing and all the the other stuff, and it's difficult. And when you think about what you're doing to the ribs, you're using something that's supposed to be a, a partially expandable shield, and you're using it to compress the heart, which is you know back there to force blood through it's it, it, it's not built for that and yeah what they taught us was you're going to break ribs don't be scared you're going to hurt this person don't be scared they, they drilled this into you and i had no idea what the survival rate was but you know i think it's a lot like having a living will for if i am uh, old and sick and and brain dead i don't want any heroic measures taken. Uh, if, if I'm not going to be around here, just let me go. Um, but the survival rate for young and otherwise healthy people
0: who need CPR and don't get it is zero. And the survival rate is better for the young and healthy than it is for older people. Um, Bill, there are some other interesting uh, stats in this story. Um in the in the hospital, uh, about thirty percent of people who are who have CPR applied to them while they're in the hospital um, experience significant neurological disabilities as a result of that uh, process. Uh, only about twenty to forty percent of older patients are able to ever function independently again after being revived by CPR. Um, and then once you get over age eighty, only about two percent of you know, people who have CPR performed on them escape that process without significant brain damage. Um, Mm. On top of that, it's, traumatizing for doctors who have, uh, you know, it's one doctor who's also a bioethicist said for doctors, bad experiences outnumber the good ones and 60% of providers experience um, what they call moral distress from futile resuscitations associated, uh, that, that associate later with burnout of them wanting to leave their jobs or actually leaving their jobs just because of the this moral quandary that you're going into where you know you're, you're probably hurting someone who has a slim chance of survival. Um, Bill, I know it's, there's always a distinction between what do you think we should do at large in, among the masses in large numbers, and what would you do for that guy there who's having the heart attack now? Uh, but how do, you, how do you wrestle through a moral quandary like that?
2: Well, my first uh, response would be, uh, you mentioned a certain percentage of people that suffer severe neurological damage as a result of CPR. Um, My first thought on that was, well, it's probably not as bad as the neurological damage you're going to suffer if you die. I would imagine that would be more severe neurological damage. Uh, where you're, so on some level, I think to get to some clarity on this, you have to understand that now we're talking about a world where there's no longer a good choice and a bad choice. There's a bad choice and a worse choice, and and this is this is very helpful in 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 avoiding being um, immobilized by some of the factors that you mentioned. Now, obviously, if I look at somebody and and I could see that they're old and frail then then I, I just the numbers the odds are so bad that yes I think I would probably do that but even even with somebody look 7 per, let's just go to the, the bottom seven percent that seven percent number is a seven percent of all of presumably of the sample of CPR cases so it's about 150, That hundred and fifty thousand people who are cases that includes oh, people who are very sick now. It includes people who are very old if you're if you're young and healthy or or relatively young and healthy, you got a better chance. So anyway, look, if if I'm if somebody's got a gun to my head and say we're we're either going to shoot you or we'll give you a seven percent chance that you might live, I'll say I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. Seven uh, percent of a thousand people is a you know significant number of people. And besides this, I think there's two other aspects that are important. One of them is similar to the effect. We talked about this a couple shows ago, where during the Blitz in England, um, the British were down in the subway tubes and getting the living daylights bombed out of them by the Germans, and um, Winston Churchill ordered that these anti-aircraft guns be fired at these German bombers, even though they couldn't see them. They didn't hit anything. He just wanted the sound of them. He wanted the people down in the in the in the tubes to know that we were fighting back. And you could make the case that administering CPR does something along those lines, especially if it's a loved one, it de-traumatizes you, but just instead of just sitting there doing nothing, even if it's a false hope, it gives you the hope until the professionals arrive that you're accomplishing something. And in some 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 number of cases, you actually are saving their lives. But to, to, to just stand there and watch somebody die when you have the ability to give them a 7% chance of, of life, I think that's that alone, you know, uh, wins the case for me. Um, Ultimately I think the thing that I'm most interested in about this is I think that even if CPR did essentially zero survival I'd still be in favor of it and the reason I'd be in favor of it is I want to live in a society where individual citizens know how to take action in case of emergency and don't just stand there like a bunch of Eloy watching somebody just die. I want people to be trained I want them to be proactive I'd not even trained in CPR. I want a citizenry that feels like it is up to them to make a difference in what has happened in this situation. My brother Steve was the first person on the scene of a of a car that caught fire. He he couldn't get in. He ran back to his car, got his crowbar, smashed the windows, pulled the guy out of there. That's the kind of people I wanna I wanna be around. And I saw a story not too long ago. I thought about doing for Right Angle a couple weeks ago, where they're training kids as young as six or seven to administer CPR, and I thought, that's great. That's really good. I want seven-year-olds to be prepared for the fact that sometimes things can go wrong and to be prepared for the fact that you are not helpless in this world, that even when something terrible happens, you can take action. You're not just a spectator. And so all of these things in my mind completely outweigh the negatives. And the only part of it that that I would qualify is in the case of somebody who is clearly not going to survive. Or, yeah, no, just not going to survive. If I, if I see a 90 year old man on the ground and, and you tell me that it's possible for him to, through CPR, to, to, to regain enough consciousness to, to, to feel pain or realize what he's going through, yeah. that I'm out in that yeah, case. But I think been. anybody who looks like they have a chance is, deserves a chance.
0: I like questions like this because I think that we we make some assumptions that and then are reinforced by in cultural entertainment that it, it's an unblemished good. You know, it's clearly a positive. We should always do it. Um, I think for starters, maybe TV ought to be a little bit more realistic. I know it's entertainment, <laughs> but per. <laughs> But perhaps if you're running a you know a doctor show or an emergency rescue show or one of those kind of shows uh you should be a little bit more realistic about the percentage of people that you're able to save with that i also think that there's an age factor here clearly i mean if you pull somebody out of the pool who's 19 years old and uh and and seems to be in cardiac arrest uh, making the attempt on that person makes a whole lot more sense than it might if that person were 85 years old Um, and so and then you don't really even think i mean there's a tendency to want to go oh well they're doctors uh, and nurses and they get paid to put up with that kind of crap so they just need to suck it up and live through those moral distress episodes and but man you know that (laughs) We all have complaints about how hard our jobs are in various professions in this world, but can you imagine going to work on a daily basis and having situations where you're like, gee, did I do the right thing trying to save that person's life, oh, or did man. I make it worse? Did we wind up you know, with somebody who's in a worse situation? Um, and then finally, I, I think I need to deal with the ultimate question that nobody likes to talk about, and that is, we die, we all die. We die of something and we don't know what that thing is that we're going to die of Um, and uh, the best way I can talk about this I think is uh, with my friend Thelma and this has been a number of years ago now but uh, I first met Thelma when uh, she was a part of a church where I was a pastor and she asked me to visit her grandson who was in jail at the time and Thelma and I became friends and her grandson and I became friends too although on the other side of the glass at the local county jail and Thelma's passion, in addition to Jesus and you know what her involvement with the church was, square dancing. And I got a call one night that Thelma had gone on her weekly square dancing thing and had a heart attack while square dancing. Uh, I forgot to mention Thelma was in her late eighties, maybe early nineties, and she had um, had a heart attack on the dance floor somebody, I don't know if it was a paramedic or somebody who was there, managed to perform CPR on her and got her heart going again. They brought in a life flight helicopter to wherever, there was probably a local like volunteer fire company where they were having the square dance, and they got her in the life flight helicopter and they flew her to the hospital. In, a, in during the flight, she coded twice and they used the paddles and brought her back twice. When I found her in the emergency room at the hospital, they had her strapped to a board with a brace around her neck and she was non-responsive, but she was alive. Um, After that, she was put into a nursing home where she spent the next six months of her life, um, not in a vegetative state, but just really not able to do almost anything. She was aware of people around her. She could communicate at a mild level, but then she eventually then died of something else. And I thought, If I'm Thelma, how do I want to go out? Moaning in a nursing home or square dancing? And I think it's the square dancing choice that appeals to me. I want my family at the funeral to be talking about how I went out doing something I loved and doing something that was frankly, you know, uh, beyond most people my age. And I think we've got to have a little bit of respect for death and the reality of it, and to say, you know, there are times when our our desperate clinging to life on behalf of somebody else may not be what they need. Now, Thelma is with Jesus and I'm jealous, but it would have been even better if she had dropped to the floor that night while square dancing and gone to be with Jesus right away than if well-meaning people who were trained to do something had jumped in and tried to do it despite the fact that she was in her late 80s or early 90s. Um, I don't know that I would make the right decision. I love Thelma and maybe I would have leaped to her aid had I been there. But I'd like to wrestle with that question before it happens and say, okay, what's the right thing to do? Maybe sitting down next to her, holding her hand and praying with her as she quietly slips away would be better than pushing on her chest and trying to get her back. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.